0: The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I'm your host, Sarah Warmby. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Joshua Nelson was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis inflammatory bowel disease in November 2017 at the age of 37. Within one year, he was evaluated by the inflammatory bowel disease experts from Rochester Mayo Clinic and University of Minnesota Medical Center due to his deteriorating condition. He was elevated to biologics and combination therapies in an effort to manage his ulcerative colitis. After failing maximum medical therapies, it was determined to surgically remove his colon in November 2018 at the age of 38. In February 2019, the final surgery was completed, making his ileostomy permanent. Since the decision to remove his colon, his health has returned, requires zero medication, no specialized diet, and no further complications from ulcerative colitis. He is a member of the United Ostomy Association of America, Ostomy Association of the Minneapolis Area, and Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. He participated in the 2019 Ostomy Awareness Day 5K hosted by Coloplast and has participated in Coloplast sponsored events. Joshua resides in Minnesota with his wife, Natalie, and two daughters, Brindley and Brenna. Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Absolutely, Sarah, and thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited to be able to pick your brain today on navigating being a new ostomate. I have some really great questions to ask you and so that you can share with our audience just what it's like to be a new ostomate. So the first question I have is, what was your initial reaction when waking up after surgery?
1: My initial reaction after waking up with surgery is, did I make it? And what I mean by did I make it's not like did I survive, is... What was told to me prior to having the surgery of your pain will be gone. The disease will be in remission because we removed the source of information. You know, did everything go okay? And then as my eyes opened, I remember uh, an interesting story is as I'm coming to, you know, getting out of uh, the anesthesia. I remember I could hear my wife. I could hear the nurse and I was holding my wife's hand. My eyes aren't open yet, but I can hear everything. And my wife, Natalie, goes, he's squeezing my hand. And the nurse is like, well, I wonder why he's doing that. And she goes, he's squeezing harder. She's like, well, I can fix that. Must have, you know, loaded me up with a dose of pain meds. She's like, oh, that's better. He relaxed. And then I sit up or I kind of, you know, my eyes do open. And I remember lifting the blanket up because I was curious to see what this stoma looked like now. And so when I lifted up the blanket, I noticed a giant hospital issued bag on my abdomen. And I thought, huh. That's interesting. So it was clear or transparent. So you could see the stoma. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I thought too, like, oh, that looks quite large. But obviously I just had surgery. You know, the body's, you know, swollen from the surgery. The next thing I thought about is like, now it's time to get my life back. Hopefully this works. What can I start to do? To get my life back on track, so I was excited actually because understanding what that disease does to you when you're active in a flare, it pretty much takes every bit of energy out of you because you're always worried about it. Now, hopefully, I didn't have to.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just reflecting back on your you know, a reaction about being excited because not many people could say that after surgery, but I think that ostomates can really relate to that feeling. Having a diagnosis such as ulcerative colitis, having those flare-ups, ending up with an um, ostomy surgery, and essentially removing the inflammatory bowel disease portion of their colon. So as far as um, ostomy education, tell me a little bit about your first experience with that education with that you got in the hospital after surgery.
1: I believe I spent five days post-op in the recovery room throughout that whole time frame was obviously healing, learning how to what I call the old tuck and log roll out of bed because you just had a major abdominal surgery. And then obviously seeing uh, the, the walk nurses come on in and now again, working on those building blocks to teach me how to care for my stoma and what to expect throughout the healing process. Going over all the different types of vendors that could be out there. So, yeah, talking about the basic care of how to remove the appliance, what you should expect. Uh, You talked slightly about diet at one point, you know, starting out with those low residue foods, oatmeal, mashed potatoes, something that's easy for the body to digest. Ironically, I was discharged a week before Thanksgiving. (laughs) they warned me that like do not overeat you know easily come back into this process and I thought that was kind of interesting because before I had the surgery I was always concerned about the foods that I was eating like is it going to cause me pain am I going to react to this am I going to have multiple bowel movements from it and now that's gone what they told me is like be careful because a lot of people can get excited because now they can eat without the pain but you need to slowly let your body heal and transition back to what a healthy lifestyle should be. It's almost like don't go full throttle right away. Slowly work your way into it. You know, Avoid things that have hard casings, such as you know, like the kidney beans, the corn, the peas, because you want everything to heal properly. And obviously you don't want a blockage. Also teaching me how to chew my food. We want you to take at least five bites of that food and really it down so it's easier for your body to digest furthermore easier to escape into your 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 pouching or your your appliance because i mean the opening of the ileostomy is quite small it was nice to get that information i thought they did a very good job one thing i thought they did very well was making sure that i was set up with you know the prescription that i need for my what they call dme durable the medical stuff Mm -hmm. making sure that prescription was filled up making sure that i was set up with a supplier already of who i could call And then they also had me set up with some home visits that a WOC nurse would would come on in and visit me while I was at home. I think that was the first week when I got home. So, yeah, they really laid the foundation for me to kind of get me moving in the right direction, which I thought was quite considerate and thoughtful
0: you know, it, it varies across the country as far as how many WOC nurses are available at a hospital. It could be one, it could be 10, they could not even have one on staff. So this just kind of gives a perspective of a, an institution that did have a WOC nurse or a team of WOC nurses to provide that education to you yep. um, while you're in the hospital. So thank you for sharing that experience. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those initial challenges you faced while you were in the hospital with your ostomy? Did you have any initial challenges?
1: Well, obviously, the first thing you're worried about is, am I going to start to see the output? Like, is everything starting to wake up? Did the surgery work? And on top of that, I'm a pretty eager person. I was, all, My mind was already set that I wanted to start to get my life back. First, I need to let my surgery heal, my body heal. Now, how can I start to get my my life back? The one part I do remember, I think it was like day two post-op and the physical therapist comes in and she goes, we're getting you out of bed. We need to start getting you walking. I'm Like, all right, let's do this. So I do the old courtesy tuck and roll out of the bed. And, you know, she was hanging on to me and she's like, our goal is to walk to that door. I was like, that door, it's like 15 steps away. Who can't make it to that door? I didn't even make it eight. And so right there, it dawned on me just how unhealthy I was. And really what that disease did to me is I could barely even make eight steps with, you know, the oxygen plugged into my body. You know, all that stuff they have hooked up to you following a surgery and I'm pretty much setting off every bell and whistle. You know, my pulse ox, my oxygen level is going on down. And I almost fell over, honestly. And so that was a rude awakening and an eye-opening experience. And that was kind of part of my mental transition to where never again, I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure this doesn't happen to me and let me get that sick that I can't make eight steps. So I started to make simple goals while I was in the hospital. Day one was I couldn't make it eight steps. Day two, let's try for 10. Day three, let's try for 12. And by the time I had left there, I was able to make it up and down the hallway. And again, what that reinforced was setting simple goals and meeting and achieving those goals gives you the motivation to keep on going and that's just the physical side of it each day my body was healing the stoma was changing i was getting better at it you know yeah there was one time i had a leak in the hospital but i mean obviously your abdomen's swollen you've got you know crevices and maybe folds that aren't normally supposed to be there because your abdominal area is swollen or you're just trying to figure out appliances some appliances work better some appliances don't you know for the individual so you're trying to put piece everything together to go what is going to work for me The WOC nurses, the nursing staff at the hospital were phenomenal uh, with me. Very patient, obviously. The fun part, I think, was starting to see the ileostomy work. You know, I remember, I think it was like day two or day three when you're starting to eat simple foods. And now you're hearing noises come out of me like, wow, was, was that actually me? You know, it's like I'm voiding gas out of the front versus the rear. You know, that's something new. Like, oh, you know, we usually like turn around and go, what did I do that? But now it's coming out of the front. Now you're starting to see output. Come into your bag and what is that like you know I, I do remember having to measure you know measure my output which was a little traumatizing initially because i've really taken my own waste and dumping it into you know a cup so they could measure it i would look at that as just that's just going to be my new norm and i have to learn to live with it and mm-hmm. again like i was focused on moving forward i wasn't regretting the fact that i just had the surgery i was not regretting why i got inflammatory bowel disease it's like you know anytime you become a parent, you know, how how do I care for this little child at home? Because there's no book on it. Everybody is different. Everybody responds differently. So I would get home or even at the hospital, my wife would come see me, you know, I'd look on her phone and start to YouTube some things. How do people live with an ileostomy? But then I always had to think to myself, that's their experience. It's my job to find what my experience will be like.
0: Yeah. And I love the way you put that. And I want to go back to essentially two challenges you had mentioned. And I think it's interesting and important to point out that you talked about those physical challenges, just just from taking steps out of the bed um, to a challenge such as having a leak in the hospital. You know, I think it's important to to kind of reiterate that healthy or not, you had a major abdominal surgery and mentally you are so ready to go and you think you can make it to that doorway when in reality you do have to take a step back and really understand that I need to be patient with myself. I need to be kind with myself um, to make make sure that you can make those steps safely. But then also that challenge of having a leak in the hospital, a lot of the times that can happen. It's a lot of what you just talked about, you know, your abdomen is swollen, you might have a crease here and there initially in the hospital and all of that can change over that six to eight week post-operative period. Those are some challenges to keep in mind. And I love that you talked about that physical challenge of just getting out of bed, but then also I had my first leak in the hospital. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to talk about that. You know, what was your exposure to different pouching systems? Were you exposed by the WOC nurse in the pre-operative period or was it mostly by the WOC nurse in the post-operative period as far as talking about different pouching systems?
1: Our pre-surgery was more or less an example of here's what a pouching system looks like. You know, it could be a waiver. Um, and I think it was a standard two-piece that the hospital carried. Here's what a pouch looks like. You know, you could disconnect it, blah, blah, blah. You can drink, they're drainable. There's some that are, are, you can just, you know, one-time use, throw them away. So pre-op was more the introduction to here's what an appliance looks like. Once I got to post-op care, I think the hospital I was at, you know, generally contracted with Hollister. So they had a handful of different Hollister products. Here's this type of system. Here's a one-piece. Here's a two-piece. Um, here's how they collect. Here's how they connect. Here's how you care for them. They also discussed Braun products. The WOC that I had, I think two of the four times, or no, three of the four times, I'm sorry, because I don't want wow. be 50%. She was like, but I really like these. And it was the Coloplast product. At the time, I didn't know one from the other because they did reiterate to me that, you know, everybody is different. Everybody's skin reacts differently to these products. So your job moving forward is to find what works well for you. Even in the hospital, I think I generally had Hollister products. Is that what was it in the hospital? You know, anytime they changed it, put a new one on. But then when I got home, was more or less when I would change it, okay, let's try this one, let's try this Braun one, let's try this Coloplast one. And honestly, for me, and it's like, you know, it's no pun intended or any type of disclaimer, but the Coloplast product, once I put that on, I think the first time I had it on, I had it on for four days, where some other products, I could only wear it for a day or two, just based on the shape of the wafer, how my body reacted and adhered to it. But when I put that Coloplast, like, oval-shaped one on there, I mean, I had to peel that thing off. And that's, you know, a little concerning at the time because you also have stitches around that area so like removing the appliance kind of scares you a little bit as if to not do any further damage so yes i was given multiple different options and again that's what was nice before i was ultimately discharged was again having the prescription to get my my supplies and my appliances and also being set up with the provider that could you know ship them out to my house
0: and it's great that you you were exposed to different types because every person's different. Their yep. skin can be different. Yep. Um, and it's very helpful to kind of see what options are out there for patients.
1: The one thing they did stress to me is it is completely okay to call every single supplier that makes this stuff and inform them that you are a new ostomate and you want to try supplies. And they will ship anything and everything out to you. Call them all and get as much stuff sent out to you initially as you can to try everything.
0: And as a WOC nurse, I would agree with that because it is important to kind of weigh your options, see what's mm-hmm. out there and see what works best for you. It's incredible to to kind of see the support given, you know, by these companies and really and truly being able to share that with patients and giving them the option that they deserve. So thank you for for mentioning that. As far as a follow-up after surgery, did you have the opportunity to go to an outpatient setting and see a WOC nurse?
1: Uh, no, they, they came out to my house. Uh, they so came that's your house. Was, that was really cool. I think they called them like in-home visits or something like that. You know, I'm not an insurance expert or anything like that, but I think I had four and that was great. So they checked up on me, I think once a week for the first month. And uh, yeah, just watching and seeing the general progression on how I was healing, how I was adapting to, you know, living a life with a stoma, are the products that I'm trying working for me? And then I think even in one of those settings, again, going back to the hospital, being a fire hose, I might've forgotten about it, but that's when they would say, there's like individual care managers at these, with these suppliers that you can call and say, hey, this isn't working. What else could I try? And they are kind of the knowledge piece behind that where they can lead you down a path of maybe you should try this type of appliance or this type of a product. Maybe that'll give you better success. And so that was nice to have that support. And then even the surgical care team um, with the colorectal department, I mean, they were calling me once a week just to make, you know, simply checking on it. How's everything going? Are you doing okay? So I had one leak, in the hospital that I had one leak when I was at home too. And I think that was more set for, I was still on the pain management at home. You know, when they send you home and you're starting to taper off of it, and I think I just finally fallen asleep. I think the the bag just got too full and it found its weakest, you know, the easiest way out. Mm-hmm. But I remember when that happened, like I woke up and I felt it. And I thought that was kind of a weird sixth sense I was starting to understand is where I'd be sleeping at night, and, I, and all of a also my hand would just kind of go down by the appliance like and see if it's filling up. And I still have that today. So when that happened, I didn't get frustrated. I didn't get disappointed. I wasn't mad at myself. Honestly, I took a a step back and go, what can I learn from this? That's where you hear stories where people like, I have to set an alarm at night just to kind of wake up and, and see how the bag is filling up at night. I've been pretty fortunate. Once everything calmed down for me. I can pretty much make it through the night. Like, like I said, I just kind of empty before I go to bed. And I can usually make it all the way through the morning. That was, you know, some of the experience that I had following the surgery and the support I was given, which was truly beneficial. And then same thing with the family. It was nice having them there, like my wife, because then she could learn as well, you know, when those people would come on out and support you.
0: Yes, absolutely. And speaking of you know, having a leak, and, and I'm, I'm a bit shocked to hear that you said you only had one leak. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty phenomenal because that doesn't always happen. The biggest hurdle when you faced when you got home having an ostomy, what was one of those physical challenges and what was something related to your ostomy?
1: Going back to my motivation to get healthy again, truly slowing down and allowing my body to heal. And What I mean by that is I was given obviously restrictions Uh, Once the surgery was complete, you know, I can't remember what the specific weight limit was like, do not lift anything over call it eight pounds, whatever it is. And I'm guessing I can't remember what the range was. Don't do exerting physical activity, but yes, we want you to walk. And then on top of that was, okay, if I'm going to be somewhat active, is there anything that I could use as a support for my appliance to allow me to do that? Like my neighbors had a treadmill. And so this was winter time frame, like November, December time frame when I'm home. When they were gone, they, I just asked them, like, hey, can I walk on your treadmill? And they're like, yes, absolutely. So even like my neighbor supported me. So as I'm walking, I can honestly feel it pulling, you know, as the bag kind of filled up with, with output, I could kind of feel it pulling to the point to where it's like, oh, man, is it kind of wearing out already? So is there anything out there that I could use to help support this? And that's when I stumbled upon Stealth Belt. Um, which is a great support appliance out there. There's numerous ones, but that's just the one that I use. So that was kind of my physical challenge. and then also by the way, I have a two-story home. so taking it easy going up and down the stairs. And really, you're so excited to become active again, but it is, it's going back to I need to let my body heal first so it's okay to sit down and kind of be lazy. Let your body heal. But part of me was always thinking as as long as my blood is moving, I am healing. And that was one thing I try to keep in the back of my head. And I watch a lot of movies. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, really slowing down. I think that I even saw that in my practice, you know, one of the big things that I would talk to two patients about is exactly what you mentioned really and truly understanding that it's okay to slow down. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to slow down after having a surgery and going home um, and kind of being adjusted to that new normal, essentially. Yep. Um So I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's really important for our listeners to hear, um, whether we have uh, patients or end users or nurses listening to the podcast. Were there some things that you wish you knew prior to surgery that could have helped before getting home? Or do you feel like you were pretty prepared?
1: Honestly, I felt like I was prepared. My situation being more emergent versus elective. I mean, yes, there are obviously some things I wish I would have known. Maybe it would have been nice to have some supplies at the house already. But I mean, that's such a minor detail at that time. I felt like for me, I've been pretty fortunate. There wasn't a whole lot of surprises for me following my surgery. Maybe a simple leak here or there or um, an appliance starting to fail on me maybe earlier than what was advertised. But that could be a culmination of numerous things. Like we've talked about slightly, it could just be what the product's made of. Maybe it just doesn't adhere to my skin really well. But other obstacles was, I I mean, it was just more or less trying to, uh, you know, from the family perspective, would be teaching my girls what I have. You know, some of the bags were still clear and transparent. Let them see what the stoma looks like and teaching them that this is something I'm going to have for the rest of my life. They were younger at the time and they were pretty eager about it. Like, oh, look at that, that's dad's stoma. They even decorated some bags I mean, obviously they weren't used yet, but, you know, they decorated some of them, but it was more or less teaching them what I'm going to have. And the same thing with my wife. One of the side effects of having an ileostomy is, you know, you could have some pretty strong odor output sometimes. If your bathroom was somewhat near a bedroom and you have to empty the contents of your bag and it's two in the morning, well, that smell might emanate into the bedroom possibly. So it's more or less even adapting to maybe some of the odors I might have I think one technique I, I learned was, you know, burping your bag. If you're getting a lot of gas, it, there may not be a lot of output in there, but it's just air. So you can burp your bag to get the bag to decrease. Well, I did that once in the bedroom, in bed, because again, it was like one in the morning and I felt like there was a lot of gas in there. So I just tried to burp the bag. Yeah, don't do that when <laughs> you significant others in bed with you because that did not turn out well, but. At the same point, we laugh about it now. I know.
0: I'm just, I'm laughing myself because it's, it's really, it's essentially passing gas. It's just coming out of a
1: different spot. (laughs) Correct. And that's really what I was doing. But, you know, she didn't get mad at me, you know, like, what are you doing? You can't do that. It was a learning experience for both of us where it's like, well, okay, some of this stuff can have a little odor to it and it lingers. You know, so it's kind of like you have to wharf it out of there almost. But and those are, I think, were the biggest challenges I had is just adapting and learning what my new normal is going to be like. I think initially I was changing the appliance every couple of days, where now, you know, almost three years later, I change it once a week because that's how long they last. So, again, adapting to what that new normal is going to be like and figuring out how long is it going to take me to change my appliance? You know, when I initially started out, You know, I'm a guy, so I have body hair on the front. So, I mean, initially, maybe 30 minutes. Now it's like, it's so routine for me. I can do it in 10. Learning how to incorporate your appliance and your new lifestyle into your daily life.
0: One of my last questions is if you could provide your top three items for any nurse to know about when caring for a new ostomate, what would they be?
1: This is a a tough question. Um, Everybody's different. And I think, obviously, one of the things I think a, a nurse, a WOC, or anybody coming into having an ostomy is have an open perspective. I think the nursing staff can do a great job by being able to measure what that individual's like, where they're at in their life, like their mental state. For me personally, I enjoyed humor because it made me feel alive again after just kind of being down in the dumps for a year. And so I was okay with like kind of short-ended jokes made about me because it made me laugh. It made me feel good. Like I am a human being still and they're still making fun of me, this is great. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I was okay with that, but somebody else might not be. So I've been mean, mm-hmm. truly judging and understanding where that individual is. I think the big one for me that I learned was when I got home, I do what everybody did. You start looking online of, you know, how to live with an ileostomy. And I, me personally, I found that I found more negative stories than I did positive stories. And I mean, that had an effect on me initially because I'm like, is this what my life is going to be like? Someone who maybe says they have to change their appliance every single day or they have a high liquid output stoma. So they're still using the bathroom multiple times a day really trying to find, I guess, information that is noteworthy, and credible. There are a couple out there um, on YouTube that actually do a really good job and share their positive stories. But I guess part of the problem with that is like, if someone has a positive story, they may not be sharing it versus the people, it seems like we're kind of more negative driven of, I need to tell you what I'm going through. And this is how bad my life is, where that wasn't me. And I think finally, you have to be adaptable. I don't think living with an ileostomy or even a colostomy, any type of diversion, I think I'm fortunate. If this is my my glitch, knock on wood, that I had, hopefully we continue through these podcasts, you'll see how I I live a life of no fear with my ostomy. I don't need any medication anymore. I don't sit on a special diet. I have no restrictions. Going from being diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease and always worrying about things to where I'm at now, not having to worry about anything, I think I'm truly fortunate and completely happy with that. So keep an open mind and don't look five feet in front of you find long-term goals you know what's my six-month goal going to be what's my one-year goal going to be as you transition from surgery back to normal life your body will change your stomach will change if you lock into an appliance that works out really well your quality of life is going to go through the roof and hopefully that's the case for most people but that's what's great about the industry is you do have that care team there, but you need to pick up the phone and call them and talk to them about it so they can help navigate you in the right direction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the three things that you talked about really and truly is something that any nurse can take into consideration, but any new patient, new ostomate can take into consideration. So, you know, having that open mind or open perspective from both a nurse and an end user or patient perspective, really important, especially when you know being a nurse, going into taking care of a new ostomate, being open to learning, um, having that humor. I think that's so important yes. too. I, I feel the same exact way just as a WOC nurse myself. I'd like to think that this profession as a WOC nurse, you know, we really try to make sure that our patients are comfortable when we're talking to them about being a new ostomy. and humor, I feel like is really important and right. it really does depend on the person. I think that's important to talk about too, is making sure that whenever nurses are talking to patients about ostomies, making sure that it's a comfortable level for that patient.
1: I remember like one joke that was given to me and this one made me laugh all the time was, you know, I, I, I live in a house with three, three girls. Well, now she's like, well, you can't blame it on your father anymore because he doesn't really do it anymore, Um, you know, because obviously it's coming out of the front versus the back end. So that one always made me laugh. And again, going to that humor piece is extremely important because just emotionally, when you're laughing, you feel better. And so they Mm -hmm. always find a way to kind of, like I said, I don't have a thick skin, so I always welcome that stuff. And it made me laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it really releases those endorphins and and really helps um, in the recovery process. Um, and I like how you you talked about, you know, a lot of the times, you know, even in forums and support groups and things like that, a lot of the times individuals will go to these resources and talk about the bad. They might yes. not necessarily talk about the good. So keeping that open mind is so super important. when I used to tell patients too, what works for one person may not work for you. Um, and vice versa, you might find something that works for you that doesn't work for someone else. So it is important to keep that open mind and open perspective and also being adaptable. Again, I think this is, uh, you know, important for, for nurses taking care of ostomates and new ostomates as well. Hearing what your perspective is, is just being adaptable to any situation and, um, you know, taking care of someone with a new ostomy. So thank you so much for sharing those, those insights.
1: Absolutely, thank you very much.
0: And thank you so much for joining me today. I really, I really appreciate um, you sharing your experiences and your journey, and um, you know what it's like to navigate uh, life uh, with being a new ostomate.
1: Absolutely, thank you very much, Sarah.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us slash professional.